Scriptures tell us that God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. At First Covenant, we believe that the Bible is the holy word of God after which we pattern our lives. So with this in mind, would you please turn in your Bibles to James chapter 4, looking at verses 13 through 17, or you can follow along on the screen behind me. James 4. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Let's pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit that we may hear your word with joy. Amen. Well, good morning. Welcome to worship. I'm glad you're with us. Today we are continuing the sermon series we kicked off a few weeks back as we're working our way through portions of the book of James. And we're calling this straight talk, as you can see on the screen, straight talk, because that's what James does. He's a very straight shooting guy. He kind of tells it like it is, kind of a rubber meets the road. And he has challenged us so far in the first three chapters or so to to um, to show that we believe what we say believe by how we react to suffering. He's challenged us when we when we hear the word of God or we know something from the word of God, not just to hear it, but also to do it, to connect our 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 our, our knowledge and our and our actions together to be show our wisdom by being people who apply what we know. And he's also encouraged us to to use our words, the things we say and speak to be consistent with our faith in Jesus Christ. Well, today we come to chapter four, the passage that that Paul just read. And it's a great passage, and we're going to jump right in. King David, who was among many things a, a musician, wrote these words hundreds of years ago in Psalm 103. As for mortals, their days are like grass, they flourish like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it's gone, and its place knows it no more. Those words are just as true today as they were back then. We are born. We live, we work, we love, we laugh, we struggle, we mourn, and before we know it, it's it's all over. Another musician wrote similar words in the 1970s, Carrie Livgren from the classic rock band Kansas. I closed my eyes only for a moment, and the moment's gone. All my dreams passed before my eyes, a curiosity. Dust in the wind, all we are is dust in the wind. Same old song, just a drop of water in an endless sea. All we do crumbles to the ground, though we refuse to see. Dust in the wind, everything is dust in the wind. You know, before I was 25 years old, three of my high school classmates uh, had died. We were 18 years old when we graduated from high school. We had all sorts of dreams and plans and things we wanted to do and accomplish in life. And none of those dreams included dying young. As a pastor, I've held funerals for people in every decade of life, from stillborns to infants to people in their upper 90s. And I've done funerals for those who knew death was coming and who were prepared for it. 
and for those who didn't know it was coming and weren't prepared. The brevity of life is something we don't like to think about, but we really don't have, we really don't know how much time we have, do we? And the time we do have, even if we live to be a hundred years old, well, it does seem to just fly by. Each decade seems to get faster as you get older. Listen to what James has to say about the brevity of life and what is to be our attitude in response to it. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So, so far, the brevity of life, brevity of life, been, our lives have been compared to flowers. It just kind of spring up and fade away in the grass of the field. Uh, it's been compared to a mist. Maybe this morning you were up early. I was and I, there was a mist. There was a fog. It was really kind of cool. It's burned off by now. Or like in the classic Kansas song, dust and wind just kind of blows around and it's gone. It just moves around. It's, you can't hold on to it. You can't keep it or control it. So what are we to do? Uh, we know this. Our lives can change in the instant. We can get a phone call, you know, and it's, it's bad news. We can get a medical test, not what we wanted to hear. We can go to work and find out we're being downsized or getting a cut in pay. We can come home and find our, our spouse is gone. What are we to do? Well, if we read popular literature, we take our cues from the world around us. Well, we are told to make the most of it, to grab it, to grab life by the horns, to, to make a bucket list and, and work our way towards that, to, to squeeze every drop that we can out of life, to enjoy as much as you can because we don't know what's going to be over. Pour time in the family, leave a legacy, carpe diem, seize the day. You've got one life, make the most of it. There's truth in that. Those aren't bad things to do. God has given us life and he wants us to enjoy it. He wants us to know his love and his and the love of other people. He wants us to enjoy his creation and the music and the arts and great literature and, and humor. He's given us bodies that can climb and move and do things. Minds that can create and imagine and connect. He wants us to make the most of our lives. But James says there's there's a qualifier. Verse 15, instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes and all boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. That's always bothered me. You know, if you know the good you're supposed to do and you don't do it, it's 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 sin. Now, now, what you may ask is, is so wrong with a little bit of planning here and, and a little bit of boasting. Don't we all like to kind of talk about, hey, we're planning this trip, you know, uh, we're getting excited about this new business venture or, or whatever it might be. What's wrong with that? Shouldn't we set goals and, and talk with excitement about what we're looking forward to? We do it all the time. I'm going on vacation maybe to Minnesota or Colorado or Kansas City or maybe I'm going to college next fall. I'm going to open uh, a new branch of my business. Uh, I'm going to retire soon. Uh, I'm going to get married soon, whatever. It, what's wrong with making plans? So he's not against making plans. He's not against enjoying life, anticipating good things, looking forward to things. 
He's talking about making plans and doing life without reference to God at all. It's this attitude that we can, we can do it all ourselves, that we're in control of our lives, that we have sort of a, a divine right to live our lives the way that we want and then we can determine the way our lives are going to go, and then we, then we boast about it. You know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do, go there. Uh, next year I'll do that. And James says, if we take God out of the equation and we do this, it's presumptuous. It's arrogance. Stephen Wookie, was a pastor, who was a pastor in England, tells us about a guy who did this with terrible consequences. During his college days, Wookiee had a friend who, who said that he, he believed that Christ was who he said he was. And, and that the, the reasons and evidence for the faith made sense to him. And when Wookiee asked his friend if he was ready to live his life for Christ, his friend said, no, not yet. I'm a young guy. There are still things I want to do, things I want to accomplish. And that will kind of cramp my style later on. Then I'll pick up God. Well, you can see where this is heading. Four months later, he was killed in a car accident. Later, never came. We can never presume where God is concerned and where life is concerned. We are a mist that appears for a while and then vanishes. As Christians, we are to live like we believe with all our heart that God exists and that he loves us. Not like the guy who is an executive with McDonald's who said, I believe in God, family of McDonald's, in that order. But when I go to work, I reverse that order. Despite what this guy said about his faith, in reality, when he was at work, he was a practical atheist. He lived his life as if God didn't exist. And his faith and his belief in God made no difference in who he was and how he acted at work. That's a dangerous thing. It's presumptuous. And James says, don't do that. Make sure your faith and your life and your actions and your attitudes, make sure they they line up. Don't be like the, the man who looks at himself in the mirror. He talks about this in James 1. He looks at himself in the mirror, sees what's real, sees what's true, sees the reality of who he is, who God is, and he walks away and lives his life as if he completely forgot what he just saw. You know, several years ago, it used to be common for people to end a letter with the, the initials D period V period. And that stood for Deo Valente, which is Latin for if God wills. And it was a way that people would kind of keep the perspective that James is telling us to. If God wills. Now, I'm not saying we go around saying, if God wills, after everything we say. I'm going a quick trip to get some gas and pick up some, some crispy cream donuts, if God wills. Now, that sounds kind of, you know, kind of cumbersome, kind of pious, kind of preachy. It's not kind of fakey. But the truth is, we live and move and breathe, and we go to work, and we come home, and we go to the lake, and we go to the store, we go to kids' games, only as God wills and only as God allows And the truth is, we don't take a single breath or single step without him. And to not acknowledge that and to boast about what we will do or have done without God in the picture, well, it's practical atheism. And James says it's evil. Isn't evil kind of 
kind of reserved for things like you know murder or cheating on your taxes or cheating your spouse or whatever it might be. Isn't that, I mean, kind of, this is, that's pretty strong language. But it's evil because it rejects God. It basically says what Scripture says is a lie that God is not sovereign, that I am the master of my own faith, the captain of my own soul. It says that God doesn't rule over all and that we can operate without him. There's a scene from the movie Cabaret. Cabaret was set uh, in Germany in the 1930s. And there's a group of people sitting around the beer garden and they're enjoying life. And they're all young and healthy and good looking and, and full of dreams and potential. And, and one of the young guys, he stands on a table and begins to sing a song entitled Tomorrow Belongs to Me. Top of his lungs. And pretty soon everybody in the beer garden, they stand up and they're singing along with him. Tomorrow Belongs to Me. And I can understand the excitement and the energy and the, just the dreams, the potential, the optimism you have. But tomorrow doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. And God simply entrusts us with tomorrow out of his goodness and mercy. And James says we must remember that we are utterly dependent upon God. And James says if we, if we live our lives as if God doesn't exist. Even if we say he does, it's, it's a slap in the face to God. It's, it's disrespect. It's, it rejects the king and tries to put ourselves on his throne. It's practical atheism. And then James adds this, this kind of strange verse, the one I said it bothered me a little bit. Any of them who know the good they ought to do and they don't do it, it's sin for them. What's the connection between what's just gone before this? Well, imagine somebody coming back to James for what he's just written. And they say, what's wrong with living my life, planning my life without God once in a while? I mean, it's not hurting anybody. And James would say, well, maybe you're not hurting anybody directly right now, but you need to recognize something. That sin is not only evil that you do, it's also the good that you don't do. Because when you live your life, when we live our lives with an attitude that we don't need God, we don't take him into the picture, what we are doing is there are going to be a lot of things that we neglect and that we will not do that God wants us to do. Because we've, we've kind of axed him out of the picture. So what, what are some of the things that we maybe could be doing or should be doing that we're not doing. Well, look around the world. We live in a world full of brokenness and pain with hurting people. There is much to do. You turn on the TV, you, you open a website, you look around your neighborhood, there's a lot to do. People that need to be encouraged whose marriages are falling apart. Friends who need to be supported because they have struggles with their children or work. Families that need a helping hand, neighborhoods that need rebuilding, wrongs that need to be righted, people who need to see Jesus reflected in our lives so that they, they might take a chance on letting Jesus be a part of their life. And James says, if you see something good, something helpful that you can do, and you're able to do something about it, and you don't do it, it's, it's, it's sin. Not much wiggle room for excuses. 
If we have financial resources and we see people need and we don't do anything about it, James says, well, that's it. We say, well, well I'm not hurting anything. I'm not making it worse. No, but we're not, we're not making things better. If I see a neighbor in need and, and, and I've got time to help and I choose not to, well, James says, that's, that's sin. If we see injustice and, and, and we don't speak up about it, James says, well, that's, that's sin. You know, I've been reflecting on my life a lot lately. I'm, my two oldest kids are now young adults. They have degrees. They have uh, paying jobs. Yay, that's a good thing. I'm excited about that. And I have one at home. In a year, I'm going to be an empty nester. I've been married longer than I was single. I've been a pastor for close to 30 years. If I live to be into my 90s, my life is well over half over. And to do that, I'd have to beat the odds as a guy. And yet I may not make my 90s. I might not make next week. I can't be presumptuous. God only knows. I mean, I know how life can be brief. I know I'm not guaranteed anything. And because of that, sometimes the temptation is to make plans, to set goals, to work hard, to play harder, to establish that bucket list. Not bad things. But if I don't include God in that, then I will never make the most of the life that I have been given and trusted by him. And so, James, I'm going to close with kind of a a paraphrase of what I think James might say if he was speaking to us in, in English. I say things are really straightforward. You know, you don't know how long or short your life will be, and you do not know what will come your way. So rely upon God, include him in your planning, live out your faith, do what you say you believe, and use your life to put your faith into practice by doing as much good as you possibly can. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us, and we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your servant James, who just kind of told it like it is, and who challenges us. Lord, uh, we know that we all have a little bit of hypocrite or inconsistency in our lives, and we, we ask for your forgiveness. We also ask for your help. Uh, help us, Lord, to have eyes to see our blind spots. Help us, Lord, to be people of, uh, who view the life we've been given and the time we've been given and the resources we've been given as, as a gift from you and that we would just look around us and see the things that we can be doing and can do something about and that we would get involved and do that and, and point people to Jesus Christ because they see us as people who aren't perfect, don't have it all figured out, but who truly are sincere and authentic and real about our faith. So, Lord, just help us to to become like that. In Jesus' name, amen.